Welcome, everybody. Good to see you. My name is Tim Harris, pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. If you're joining us by way of Facebook Live, YouTube, or whatever they got out there these days, we are so glad that you have found us. We have uh, really enjoyed uh, getting to know so many of you online over the last several months. And so nice to have people in this house tonight. God bless you guys. I love you so much for your faithfulness to, uh, to, to attend worship. You guys are amazing. Open your Bibles. I'll give you plenty of warning because it's hard to find. We're looking for the Song of Solomon tonight. Song of Solomon, and it is, go to the Old Testament, go to Psalms, Proverbs, was it Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then Song of Solomon, something like that? Uh, right in there, it's a little skinny book. It's kind of sexy, y'all, so, uh, uh, but it's, you know, it's Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, so I assume most of the kids are in bed, so we can do this. Um, I'm in the middle of a sermon series entitled Hashtag Relationship Goals. We're talking about new rules for love and dating. As you notice, the rules aren't that new, but they sound new because uh, the biblical way of following Christ into relationships is just not the norm anymore. But it's the norm for us because we are the people of God. I want us to talk tonight about mm, like that line you cross toward commitment, which sometimes you call it engagement. I want to talk about maybe pre engagement, just that whole period. Now, I know some of you are thinking, Pastor Tim, I'm not dating. I haven't dated anybody in 20 years, and, and I'm a long, long way from engagement, you know, but, but just listen to the sermon that I didn't tuck it away, all right, because you may just find yourself one of these days about to cross that threshold into commitment, or you may be in a relationship already. You may already be right now several weeks, several months, or maybe several years into a relationship, and you're wondering, is this it? Is this the one? How do I know? I like it. Do I want to put a ring on it? You understand? It's, it's just that sort of situation, and this is where we are. Now, those of you who are married, you could actually take this sermon tonight and do a little bit of a marriage checkup, because I'm just talking about what makes for a healthy relationship. But in those early days, those days of, of engagement and trying to figure out if you're, if you're ready to be married and moving toward marriage, it's a really delicate and wonderful stage of the relationship. So let's talk about that stage and what it means to be a man of God, a woman of God, uh, moving toward marriage, moving toward engagement. So, Song of Solomon, Song of Songs, we're going to start in chapter 2. I'm going to read the whole thing, y'all. Now, it goes back and forth. So, sometimes, like the Song of Solomon is kind of like a play or like a drama or a poem where sometimes it's the woman talking and sometimes it's the man talking. I'm not going to try to use a woman's voice or anything when I'm talking for the woman, but just understand when I'm talking about like, you know, my guy who's, you know, like a young stag, like that's the woman talking there. And, and uh, when I'm talking about the woman, you'll know. So just follow me. Use your imagination and uh, let's... Uh, Let's fall in love together. Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 1. Let's go. I am the spring crocus blooming on the Sharon plain, the lily of the valley. Like a lily among thistles is my darling among young women. Like the finest apple tree in the orchard is my lover among other young men. Okay, y'all, that's the woman. Y'all with me now? That's not me. That's the woman. I sit in his delightful shade and taste his delicious fruit. He escorts me to the banquet hall. It's obvious how much he loves me. Strengthen me with raisin cakes. Refresh me with apples, for I am weak with love. His left arm is under my head. His right arm embraces me. Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and wild deer, not to awaken love until the time is right. 
Ah, I hear my lover coming. He's leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a swift gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he is behind the wall, looking through the window, peering into the room. My lover said to me, rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. Look, the winter is past and the rains are over and gone. The flowers are springing up. The season of singing birds has come and the cooing of turtle doves fills the air. The fig trees are forming young fruit and the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. My dove is hiding behind the rocks, behind an outcrop on the cliff. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is pleasant. Your face is lovely. Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love. For the grapevines are blossoming. My lover is mine. I am his. He browses among the lilies. Before the dawn breezes blow and the night shadows flee, return to me, my love, like a gazelle or a young stag on the rugged mountains. That's what Casey calls me, her young stag on the rugged mountains. That, that, is, my, that, that, that is my nickname. <laughs> Research shows that what we call falling in love is actually a, a, a very interesting biological process. We're just created this way. So that when we come across a person and we feel ourselves begin to fall in love, what's actually happening is your brain is literally expressing chemicals. They're called peptides. It's a peptide expression. Uh, hormones, I think it's dopamine and phenethylamine. Is that correct? If you're writing a paper, taking the test. Dopamine or phenethylamine. Your brain releases these chemicals. And these chemicals have an amazing effect on the body and the brain. What happens is you get this rush of energy, and, and you get this feeling of euphoria. You, you, you literally have a positive outlook, and you also, at the very same time, you, you become somewhat deadened to pain. All of this is by God's design. Do you understand? God allows you to have this feeling of euphoria that's also accompanied by a lowering of defenses so that you will have an opportunity to bond with your partner and therefore prepare for a life together of commitment. Isn't that amazing? God made us that way. Our brains do that. It's a chemical rush. That's why when you first fall in love, it's such an amazing, dreamy, floaty kind of feeling. Positive. I mean, you know, it's just amazing. They say love is blind, love is crazy. I mean, it's just that, that phase of love. But here's the thing. That doesn't last. God did not create us in such a way where the dopamine and the you know, phenothylamine, God didn't create us so that that's just a constant flood. You couldn't live that way. So there is a kind of come down. It's a little bit of a come down. And honestly, that's where love begins. That is where love begins. That early part, that, that chemical rush, that euphoria, that, that just being just absolutely out of your mind, that, that, that feeling of having a crush, you know? It's chemicals in your brain. That's not necessarily love. Love is something that comes later. I, I like in the Song of Songs when it says, the fig trees are forming young fruit, verse 13. The fig trees are forming young fruit. The thing is, in the earliest stages of love, the relationship isn't ripe yet. We're talking about young fruit. 
See, the, the misconception for a lot of people is that love is like something hot on the stove. And, and you take it off the stove, you know, and then over time it gets cold. And that's how most people think of love. But that's not how love operates. That's not love at all. Love is more like something that starts out cold that, that you set on the stove and it heats up over time, over a long time. This is how love operates. So when people are in the front stages of a relationship, things aren't right. The, the fruit is still young. What this means is there's going to be a delay of gratification. In other words, the way you start is just the beginning. It's going to get better as you go. And all of the best fruits of love are way out on the branches, somewhere down the road. But a lot of us just really aren't prepared for that kind of delayed gratification. We don't necessarily know what to do when the chemical rush, you know, begins to sort of, you know, run its course through our bodies. When that feeling of euphoria, that deadening to pain, that extra energy, that lowering of defenses, understand, when that passes, then we get to get serious about really figuring out what it means to love somebody the way Jesus loves us. You understand? So in the earliest stages of love, the relationship isn't quite ripe yet. So honestly, in this stage where you're with somebody, you found somebody, and you're sort of wondering, is this love? I mean, I understand what you're saying, Pastor Tim. It's, it may become love later, but how do I know? How do I know if this is the one? What am I looking for? How would I know if this is the person that, that I'm supposed to marry? How do I know if he's marriage material? All right, let's just talk about some of the things that you're looking for, okay? Now, again, if you're not quite to this stage yet, write these things down. You're going to need this one day. And, and currently, if you're, if you're with somebody or even if you're already married, write these things down because this is a good marriage checkup. This is what you're looking for, okay? So, number one. What you want to see is, is, is where you both show a daily resolve to stay with one another even when it's hard. Both of you. Both of you show a daily resolve to stay with one another, to, to be together. And we're talking about commitment, and we've been talking about commitment for several weeks now, but you're looking for that mutual commitment. You want somebody who demonstrates on an everyday basis that they really want to be with you. It's probably a bad sign if he won't put down the video game controller, understand? It's probably a bad sign when he never really seems to want to be with you. It's probably not a good sign. But in these early stages of the relationship, understand, you can watch for these things. You can watch for signs of commitment, mutual commitment. It's sort of like when they're training Navy SEALs. Navy SEALs, those elite soldiers who, who really do the hard, hard work in battle. Lots and lots of people want to be Navy SEALs. Lots of men, lots of women want to be Navy SEALs. But the training program actually tends to see about 75% of Navy SEAL candidates drop out. It's the training itself that they can't handle. I mean, it's brutal. In Navy SEAL training, they will make you plunge into the icy cold ocean. And, and go underwater and hold your breath for days. And, and, and then you come up, and, and then they do it again and again in icy cold water, holding your breath. 
And then they'll take you out of the ice water and, and have you roll in the sand until you are crusted head to toe with sand. And then they will make you run. They'll make you run for miles and miles and miles and then make you do it again. No sleeping, probably no eating. Back into the ice water, hold your breath, up and down, do it again, do it again, roll in the sand, run mile after mile after mile, back in the water, do it again. And the whole time, they'll tempt you. They'll tempt you to quit. Would you like to quit? They'll tempt you literally with a Snickers bar. All you got to do is quit. All you have to do is quit. They'll tempt you with a warm blanket. When you're freezing and starving, that they'll tempt you. Because the point is that this, this testing, that this suffering is supposed to reveal what's really in a man's heart. How bad does he want it? Does he really want to be a part of this team? And understand, in a relationship, the everyday challenges, the everyday trials, the everyday difficulties will reveal what's in a person's heart. How bad do you want to be with her? How badly do you want to be with him? Do you really want to be a part of this team? Understand? You're looking for signs of commitment. Everyday kind of commitment. If that's not there, either the relationship is way too early or this really may not be the relationship you think it is. Is there commitment? Is there mutual commitment? Next thing, you're both able to have hard conversations together. You should be able to have hard conversations together. If you haven't had the hard conversations yet, you're not ready. It's way too early for you to be thinking about commitment if there are still things that you're afraid to talk about. You should be able to talk about money. You should be able to talk about sex. You should be able to talk about the in-laws. You should be able to talk about personal habits. You should be able to talk about spiritual things. If there are still topics that are sort of off the table, if there are topics that every time you bring them up, it sort of starts an argument that never ends, then you're not ready. There are some problems here. You're looking for this ability to have hard conversations. As a matter of fact, in these hard conversations, there may actually be conflict. And you should be able to, to settle conflict, to resolve conflict. When you're having these hard conversations, you shouldn't be using words like weapons. You shouldn't all of a sudden start blurting out things that you don't mean. You shouldn't start calling names. You shouldn't start using profanity. You understand? You should be able to talk like adults, like humans. And if you're not with somebody that you can talk to, you probably need to really Ask yourself why you're with them in the first place. You need to be able to have hard conversations. The Word of God says this, and, and I love this verse so much. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says this. We will speak the truth in love. I mean, this is just good. We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Now, Paul in Ephesians isn't just talking about, you know, romantic relationships, but make no mistake, it applies, this applies to romantic relationships. You want to speak the truth in love, which means every time you speak, it needs to be the truth. She needs to know that you will not lie to her. You need to know that she will not lie to you. You shouldn't necessarily have to go back through her phone so that you feel like you can trust her. If you have to police her behavior, you're probably with the wrong girl. 
You have to be able to trust one another. You have to know that they will speak the truth in love. Now, there are sometimes truths to be spoken, and I've had people tell me the truth, but they didn't tell me in love. Some people are just mean, and some people love to tell you the truth, and they like to speak it mean. But this isn't the way of Christ. We're believers, right? And our lives are centered on Christ, and we're trying to grow in every way more and more like Christ. So one of the ways you're growing to be like Christ is in the way in which you speak, especially to the people that you love. So speak the truth in love. That means if you're, even if you're in an argument, you shouldn't be blurting out, I hate you, which some people do. Let's be honest. Some people do that. They blurt out, I don't even want to be with you. You're just like your mother. I hate you, you know, and, and it's not true. And later they say, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I said that. that. I didn't mean that. Well, if you didn't mean it, where does it come from? I mean, that, that anger, that meanness in you, this is a sign that you got a long, long way in growing in every way more and more like Christ. If when you get angry, something other than truth starts coming out of your mouth, then, then, then you've got some real spiritual problems. This is just in the manner of, of, of everyday Christian life. We speak the truth in love. So in a romantic relationship, this is the communication skill that you want to nurture. Always speaking the truth. She needs to trust that, that, dude, you will always tell her the truth and you will tell it to her gently. You are trustworthy with her heart. You understand what I'm saying? We're talking about hard conversations. Usually early on in a relationship, before you really begin to approach that line called commitment, you probably need to uh, have some real hard conversations. As a matter of fact, in so many couples that I talk to, very often when I'll ask them, how did you know that he loved you? How did you know that she loved you? Very often they'll go back to a moment where they had to endure a confession. If you're really serious about this person, there's probably gonna be some moment when you say, listen, I love you and I think you love me, but there are probably some things you need to know about me. You understand? That's where you, you say the things that you need to say. There really may be a sin that you need to confess. There really may be something, a hang-up, a habit that for you is a struggle. And, and you don't want to bring this person into that mess without being honest. And if you don't think that that person is trustworthy with, with the broken, wounded parts of you, then you're probably with the wrong person. You understand? We're talking about each other's heart. And what we're saying is you're going to take your heart and place it into the hands of another person. And if you can't trust them to be gentle with your heart, you're probably with the wrong person. And so that, that knowledge that they can be trusted means that you realize that you can tell them anything that you need to tell them. Maybe they need to understand about the ways in which you've been abused through your life. He needs to know that. And that's hard for you to say. We're talking about the broken, the wounded parts of you. But if you can't say those things in her hearing, if you can't take those wounds and, and, and trust him with your wounds, then I'm not sure you're with the right person. Or if you are, it's way too early for you to be really giving your heart away. Make sense? We're talking about hard conversations. And I'm telling you, lots and lots of couples never have them. Never have them. I can't tell you how many couples get all the way to my office three weeks before the wedding 
And they haven't yet talked about money because they don't want to talk about money. Money's personal. Money is intimate. Scripture says where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And so that's why money often just seems so very, very intimate. And so for that reason, lots of couples never talk about it. You understand that the number one cause of divorce in the United States these days is conflict over money. People can't talk about it. If you can't talk about money, there's something profoundly still weak about this relationship. Nothing should be off the table. Have couples, you know, who aren't, aren't living for Christ, the couples that are very sexually active, but at the same time, they don't talk about sex. They have it, but they don't talk about it. Okay, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand how you can be so intimate with behavior, but at the same time, it's too embarrassing to talk about. You know, we're adults here. Grow up. If you find yourself, you know, more mature and able to have it, then you should be able to talk about it. You understand? There's something wrong if you're not able to talk about these things with this person. Some people never talk about the in-laws because I can't every time, you know, every time I try to talk to him about how he kisses his mama in the mouth, you know, it's just always an argument. I'm telling you, you don't want to go too far down the road with somebody that you can't have the hard conversations with. You know what I'm saying? One more thing, and this is the most important thing. Again, so much of what I'm saying, I'm assuming that I'm talking to Christians. And I'm begging you to be just Christ-centered in your life in every way, but especially in your romantic life. So here's the thing, and this is what I would tell any Christian person who's wondering if they're with the right person. Your separate paths of following Christ will merge into one fateful future. Your separate paths. In other words, up to this point, you have been centered on Christ and you've been obeying Christ. You've been going where Christ wants you to go and you've been doing what Christ wants you to do. And that's not going to change. You do not compromise your life of obedience to Christ for the sake of being with this person. If you do that, you've already stepped off the path and you are heading for heartache. You're a believer. And so you're going to continue to live as a believer. You're going to follow Jesus Christ first and always. You're going to obey Jesus first and always. So you're not going to change what Christ has shown you for your life. If he's called you to be a missionary overseas, then that doesn't change. It's because you met a guy who doesn't want to leave Logan County. He may be the wrong guy. And he may be beautiful. He may be absolutely beautiful. I mean, he may, in Logan County, he may have a full set of teeth. And you're thinking, Pastor Tim, how can I pass this up? It's Logan County. And I'm telling you, let him go. Teeth and all, let him go. Because if Christ has called you out of Logan County, you don't stay in Logan County for a man. Nobody's saying amen. That's just the truest thing I know how to tell you. Same thing for you, sir. I mean, you've been following Christ, and he's got this call upon your life, and, and you've sort of always known who you are and what you want to be. And then you meet this girl, you know? Well, you don't change anything about your life in Christ for a girl. It doesn't matter who she is. And I, I don't care how beautiful she is. And I don't care how much money she got in the bank. I, I don't care anything about the girl. Your priority is Christ. So you just continue to obey Christ. 
You're like, well, Pastor Tim, but, but we think we might be in love, but, but he says he's called to go to seminary, you know, in, in, in Texas. But, but I feel like I'm, you know, I feel like God wants me to, you know, to, to do missions, you know, overseas. Well, okay, he needs to go to Texas and you need to go overseas, period. If Christ is calling you, you obey Christ first. Absolutely. You obey Christ first and always. Am I speaking English? Y'all know what I'm saying? Now, what I'm saying is your separate paths of following Christ will merge into one path if, if, if this is the Lord. In other words, she's going to follow Christ, and he's going to follow Christ, and if Christ wants you together, he'll lead you together. Your paths of following Christ will merge. You'll cross. You understand? And if they don't, if, if in following Jesus you're not led together, then you're not supposed to be together. Does that make sense? It's just so simple, but we don't make it simple because honestly, as I say, we get this brain full of dopamine and you know, phenothalamine and all of a sudden, we don't think straight anymore and we no longer think like Christians. You're gonna obey Jesus first and always. And if Jesus is somehow leading you in a different direction and that guy you're with isn't gonna come along, let him go. I know it hurts. I know you feel like you love him, but you've got to love Jesus more, and you've got to love Jesus first, and you've got to love Jesus always. Let him go. If Jesus wants to bring him back into your path, he's fully able to do that. Let him go. If there's this girl in your life, you're thinking, oh my goodness, I, I, I really I always thought I was going to serve the Lord this way, but you know, she's here. I'm telling you, let her go. You serve Jesus first. Well, Pastor Tim, what if I never meet anybody? What if I'm single the rest of my life? Be single and obedient to Christ. You do not step off the path of following Jesus for the sake of a, of a guy, for the sake of a girl. You don't. We're believers. Our lives are centered on Christ. It doesn't change just because you're trying to find somebody to marry. You still follow Jesus first, and you follow Jesus always. Your separate paths of following Jesus will merge into one faithful future if this is the one Jesus wants you to be with. Man, will you write that down? If, if, if you do tattoos, tattoo that somewhere where you'll see it. Because you need to know that. You need to remember that. It's one of the clearest signs I, I know to tell you. This is what I told my own son in so many instances. You know, son, if she's meant to be, then you just keep following Jesus and you tell her to follow Jesus. And if your paths come together in following Jesus, then you can trust that. But you don't step off the path of following Jesus for a girl. No girl's worth that. You follow Jesus and you follow Jesus first and you follow Jesus always. One more thing. Uh, let's do this. This is fun. Verse 15. Catch all the foxes. <laughs> We're not talking about like, okay, listen to Papa. Like back in the day, we called like, like really pretty girls foxes. You know, like foxes. Like in my high school, <laughs> we were rednecks and, you know, old. Uh, so like in the old days, like a really pretty girl at Warren Central High School might have her name on the back of her belt. And it might say, foxy lady. Foxy lady, okay? So when Song of Solomon says, catch all the foxes, no, no. We're not talking about like that kind of fox. No, no, no. We're speaking poetically. So catch all the foxes 
those little foxes before they ruin the vineyard of love. I love this. I love this. This is the, this is the important part, and this is the hard part for couples who are in love. Because there are always foxes. Again, we're speaking about like in the old days, in, in the ancient biblical times when you would have a vineyard and the foxes would slip in under the fence and the foxes could destroy the whole vineyard. They could destroy the vines. But they would do it slowly. And they're little foxes, you know? And so if it's just one fox or maybe just a couple of foxes or a mama fox with the cutest little baby foxes you've ever seen, I mean, your temptation is just to let them stay. Your temptation is to try to take them home and keep them as pets. But the Song of Solomon is giving very wise advice here for all of you young lovers. Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love. So understand, there are things, there are small things, they're going to threaten your relationship. They're big threats, but they may seem small. And you're object here is to identify them as dangers and root them out. You have to be serious about this. I, I know, I, I know when you're in love, when, when you're dating, when you feel like you're about to be engaged, you just want everything to be perfect. You want her to be perfect. You want him to be perfect. And so you just sort of sometimes overlook all the things that aren't perfect because you want it so badly to be perfect. Okay, that's dumb. That's really dumb. I know how badly you want it to be perfect, but to overlook things that actually might be very dangerous in your relationship, that's so not smart. Little foxes, just little things in the relationship that actually in the long run could destroy it all. I would just give some examples. I would, expectations. Expectations always determine satisfaction. So the expectations you have going in will determine in the long run whether you're satisfied or really disappointed in this relationship. And early on sometimes our expectations are really not realistic. And I would call that a little fox that could destroy the vine. You understand what I mean? Because, you know, for example, you're thinking, you're thinking that, that in your relationship, you'll never really have any difficult problems or challenges. Y'all just love each other. He's your soulmate. You know, he finishes all of your sentences. You know, he just completes you. And, and you don't, you know, other people probably have trouble, but you don't think y'all will ever have trouble. You know, okay. You are honestly headed for such a tragic collision with real life. Most all of us have trouble in a relationship at some point or another. And if you're thinking it won't happen to you, when it happens to you, you're going to freak out and think that it's all over. Understand? That little expectation can, can ruin things. Or that little expectation that marriage will fix things. In other words, like, he doesn't seem all that committed to you, but, but you have this feeling that if, if you just get him married to you, then it'll be different. Okay, it won't. It won't. Marriage does not change anything. It's just a really, really expensive 20 minutes. It's not going to fix that guy. It's not going to fix that girl. Marriage doesn't fix things. And if you're thinking that, that somehow getting married is going to fix the problems in this relationship, oh my goodness, you are heading for such a tragic collision with real life. 
The other little expectation, and this is the, this is the slippery one, you get this idea that because you're planning a wedding, that you're prepared for marriage, and you're not. You're not. They're not the same thing. And I guess in some ways I'm speaking more to women because, you know, women, a lot of women really love planning the wedding. Some of you have been planning your wedding since, the, you know, the day you were born. Like you're just always thinking about your wedding and like you're going through Pinterest. You've already got a Pinterest page of all your wedding ideas. The problem is planning a wedding is not the same thing as getting ready for marriage. And it's sort of tragic when a young woman, you know, comes off the wedding, puts the dress in a box, and then thinks, what the heck did I do? You know, who in the world did I marry? You understand? Planning a wedding is not preparing for marriage. You should probably spend a little less energy planning the wedding and a little more energy preparing for marriage, to be honest. It's what we're talking about. See, these expectations are like little foxes, and you just sort of let, let those expectations stay in your mind, and, and you are heading for a collision with, with real life. But, but it's not just expectations. Sometimes in a relationship, um, you, you know things, like in the gut, but you try not, um, you try not to know what you know. Y'all know what I mean? Does that make sense? I should have said that better. Um, you try not to know what you know. You try not to, you know, not to see what you actually see. And it's dangerous. It's exactly what we're talking about here. The Song of Songs says you got to capture the little foxes. They're those little things that come in, and, and they're actually really bad signs. And you have to be very serious about facing them and dealing with them and rooting them out. But sometimes you don't. You want this to work so badly. You want it to work. And so, uh, honestly, you just try not to see what you're seeing. So the question I want to ask you to ask, if, if you're right here at the point of commitment and you're asking, is this the right person? I just would want you to sort of test yourself here. What are you seeing in this relationship that you're pretending not to see? What are you seeing in the relationship that you're pretending not to see? You know, for example, I'll talk to the guy first. Like, dude, you're vaguely aware of the fact that when you're not with her, you don't really want to be with her. You, 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 don't, you don't let that go. Or I'll talk to the girl. It's, it's like, as long as you've known him, he's never worked like a day in his life. And he's always saying he's going to get a job, but he's never really been serious about finding a job. And, and you see that, but you don't want to see that. Y'all with me now? Um, we could go on. Um, when he's angry, he calls you vulgar names, and then he's really sorry. Or she got mad and she ripped the sun visor off of her side and beat you with that while you were driving to Olive Garden. True story. You, you just can't act like those things aren't there. He's not truthful. Your mama don't like her and she likes everyone. 
you get this feeling that he's only using you for sex, and when it's over, you feel cheap. Y'all with me now? His drinking, her spending. You really don't share a spiritual life. I need to keep going. Y'all know what I mean? These are things that are just there, and you know they're there, but you don't really want to say that they're there because you want it to be perfect. It's not perfect. And we don't get perfect. And Mr. Perfect, Miss Perfect are not out there. And you're not Mr. Perfect, and she's not Miss Perfect. And this is what the Song of Solomon just wants you to understand, that there are threats in the relationship. And, and right now, there may be little foxes that, that you could possibly deal with now, or, or at least understand, as painful as it is to break up with somebody that you're invested in, breaking up now is so much easier than divorcing later. What are you thinking? You just don't rush past the red flags. So I'm just asking you to be really honest about what, what you know about her and what you see about this relationship and don't act like these things aren't there. Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love. My lover is mine and I am his. <laughs> I, I love it, actually. I love where it says about the lover. I love how he's leaping over the hills and bounding over the mountains to get to her. <laughs> I love that. That's just awesome. That's me, baby. Leaping over the hills, bounding over the mountains. In other words, man, he's going to, he is going to, ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no river low enough, what is it, to keep him from getting to you? You know, it's, like, it's a love song. I mean, this whole thing is a love song. So the question becomes, how do you know? How do you know? Well, I'll just tell you the truest thing I know how to tell you. When you get to that point with that person, you'll know. And you also won't really know. You'll know, but there's no way to take all the risk out of this. The very definition of love means that you are, you are giving your heart to somebody else, which means there is no way around this. If you're doing this correctly, you are giving this person a, a rather unlimited liberty to crush your heart, to, to break your heart. If you don't give them your whole heart, I'm telling you, then, then, then that's not love either. And, and that's not marriage. And if you can't give them your whole heart, Run. Run away from her, run away from him. But, but if you're going to give your whole heart, understand, you could get hurt. Because going into this, you don't have any idea where this road leads. You don't know. You have no idea what's going to happen. You have no idea what a person can become. You have no idea what kind of person you're going to become. You can't see. You can't know. You're going to take a leap of faith. That's why I say you're going to know. And you're not going to know. So when I say leap of faith, I mean that. Faith. You really want God in this thing. You really, really need to know that, that you are in a place where your life is centered on Christ. And that for that reason, the Holy Spirit can speak to you and you can hear the Holy Spirit. 
You really need to know that God can speak and that you can hear God's voice because you really don't want to give your heart away without knowing that, that God is blessing this, that God is in this. And what I'm telling you is that you can't possibly, you can't possibly see, you can't possibly know, but God sees and God knows. There's nothing hidden from his eyes. He knows where the road leads. He knows the man that he's going to become. He knows the woman that you're going to become. He knows where all of this goes, and he himself is the source of love, the only source of love. It's not in you, it's in him. That's why I keep saying your life must be centered on Christ. You're going to pursue a relationship with Christ first and always. If you really want to seek love, then you seek Jesus. You don't seek a woman. You don't seek a man. You seek Jesus because he is love. If you really want to be known and know somebody, then understand you seek to know Jesus. You seek to know him because he already knows you. He knows your heart. He knows everything he's put in you. He knows everything that needs to come out of you. Do you understand? You just need to know Jesus. He is the one who completes you. There is no woman to complete you, no man to complete you. Jesus will complete you. And if you want to know love, I'm telling you, you don't go out trying to fall in love with a woman, trying to fall in love with a man. You need to fall in love with Jesus. You just need to love Jesus. You love Jesus first, and you love Jesus always. And I'm telling you, if in doing all of that, you love Jesus first, and you love Jesus always, and your life is centered on him, and you find yourself in the path of someone else who loves Jesus and is following Jesus, and, and in the course of following Jesus together, you realize that you can walk alongside one another. You found a woman that you can trust with your heart, a woman who understands your heart. You can be honest with her. You can trust her. And you know she always is going to love Jesus more than she loves you. You found a man who will leap over hills, bound over mountains. Nothing's going to keep him from, from treasuring you, from getting to you, from seeing you. Because he loves Jesus first and always. You understand? If you find a person like that, You got a good thing. You got a good thing. You cannot settle for anything less. That, my friends, is a good thing. Pray with me. Jesus, our hearts are so lonely. And you know how lonely we are. Lord Jesus, some of us have been abused. We've been used. We've been mistreated. We've been disrespected. We've been lied to. We've been hurt. And at the same time, Lord, we still find ourselves so very hungry to be with somebody, to be loved. We would almost endure anything, Lord, for the sake of just having somebody to be with. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would heal all of the broken, wounded places of our heart. Lord, let us bring our broken heart to you first. So then, Lord, we can have a whole heart to go give to somebody else. Lord Jesus, there's so many of us, Lord, that are just simply looking for somebody to love, looking for somebody that truly we can serve you alongside. And Lord, just help us to trust you, your timing, your way. 
But Lord, in the meantime, let us not settle. Help us, Lord, to focus on you, to seek to know you, to seek to love you first and always. Lord, truly, you are all we need. So help us, Lord, in these lives of love, to love you first, to love you always. And if it be your will to find somebody, Lord, that will love you the same way we love you. Help us, Lord, to know love because we know you. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.